The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. Maybe for you, you're singing a happy song, but all of your emotions are not feeling happy. The words sound like happy, but your heart sounds like pain. And there's something that contradicts you in the moment where what you're saying and what you're showing don't match what you're feeling. Maybe it sounds a lot like Tyree's story. Maybe that's what you're going through. And so we asked him to share a little bit of his story. Check this out. My name's Tyree and I grew up in Hagerstown, Maryland. When I was uh, younger, all I can remember is going to church. Save when I was six, baptized when I was seven. There was really no drama there. I, I remember just everything was great, two-parent two home. Knew my parents loved me. They raised me up in the things of God. When I was in elementary school, they diagnosed me with uh, dyslexia, had a reading comprehension problem and a really bad stuttering problem. Matter of fact, I can remember being taken out of classes just to take speech therapy. That insecurity, uh, kind of always hung with me. Went until I graduated from uh, South High that um, things started to take a turn. Uh, semester into my college uh, career <laughs> and uh, my dad died. Uh, I was 18 and my dad was my best friend. I could talk to him about anything. From that loss of my father, I felt alone. I was angry. Um, bitter at God. I started going in a path that I knew I shouldn't go. And you know, my dad's not around, so who's gonna stop me? I remember going to clubs and getting bad friendships, bad relationships, in the drug scene, uh, violent, carrying a gun. I, I, I knew it wasn't right. I, I didn't understand why I was acting the way I, I was acting. I just knew that I was just hurt lonely, scared, uh, confused about life, and I knew I needed to change. So what's up? <laughs> no, really, I actually want you to turn to somebody next to you, and uh, if you're at any of our campuses, you're gonna work along with me, and uh, I want you to say like, what's up? I felt good, didn't it? Just, I mean, it's so affirming. What's up? Now, hopefully you did what everyone else always does. You didn't answer. When I say, what's up, you're supposed to say, what's up? How you doing? Good, how you doing? We expect you to lie. When I ask you, what's up? Don't tell me what's up. When I say, in the grocery store, how you doing? I don't actually mean it. And neither do you. No, 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 we have a cultural conditioning where we have learned to act. We smile when we're suffering. We put on a pleasant face in our pain and when you say, what's up? I say, good, what's up? How you doing? I'm doing good, how you doing? And we don't really wanna hear our, each other's life story. So I was, uh, first time I went to the country of Albania, I discovered that not all of them know how to keep up this act. 
We were at a pastor's conference and we asked one of the young men who's a pastor, we said, what's up? He said, my pastor is in a blood feud and so he's living in hiding. And now I'm responsible to go to his house every day to get the marching orders of how to lead the church because he can't go to church and then I'm supposed to do his job. And he's almost on the verge of tears. And I'm like, whoa, that got serious really quick. Now you and I, we have no idea what a blood feud is, so I'm like, huh? So he goes on to explain that in their, in their nation, especially in the northern portion of Albania, when an individual is killed, murdered, um, the bereaved family is justly allowed to retaliate by murdering one of the family members of the murderer. A, you know, family of origin, immediate family, extended family, pretty much anybody. And if you murder them with a blow to the head or a shot to the head, they can kill two of your family members. That disincentivizes people from killing each other pretty fast. Uh, and, and so what happened was the pastor, somebody in his extended family had murdered somebody with a shot to the head and so two people had to die and so the whole family went into hiding because there was a blood feud and so if, you're, if you come out of your house, you're gonna be dead. They can't go in your house, but if you're on the street, they can kill you. And uh, gulp. That got serious. And uh, what we realize is most of us live in hiding. We put on the act, we put on a good, happy face, while underneath, in hiding, we're living in a blood feud, an emotional blood feud. Maybe you're in an actual like relational blood feud right now. Maybe you've got your arm around your spouse and yet you want to, you hate each other. I was gonna say something else. Maybe, maybe right now your heart is being ripped into because of a relational blood feud. Maybe you're in an emotional blood feud. Maybe spiritually there's something seriously wrong and you don't know what. And the reality is that you and I, we live in a blood feud and yet we don't even know who's hunting us. We don't know if it's our own thoughts, our own emotions, our own mind. We don't know if there's somebody out to get us. We don't know what's wrong, but we smile and we say, what's up? How you doing? I'm doing all right. And Jesus, you just, you gotta appreciate Jesus because he just cuts right to the chase. He cuts through the act and he calls a spade a spade. On after the weekend, after the day called Palm Sunday where Jesus comes in as a king to his coronation. That was kind of the meaning of Palm Sunday where Jesus enters Jerusalem the way a king would enter preparing for his coronation. And, and Je after Jesus enters, he quickly gets to work calling out the religious elite who think they're better than everyone else. And as Jesus is calling out these religious elite, he's confronting their act, where they look like they've got it all together. They, they, they look like their life is all in order, but in reality, they're in a blood feud. And that's the issue. And so the story is found in Matthew chapter 23, and we're literally just gonna look at one verse briefly here, but the idea is this. It's captured by a guy named Matthew who knew that his life was a mess. And if you asked him how he was doing, he was one of those guys that would catch you in the aisle in the grocery store, and he'd, he'd give you the you know, 45 minute long story of all of his pain because his life was a mess. He was considered a traitor and a cheat, 
And Jesus knew it and everyone knew it. And Jesus invited Matthew to follow him and Matthew began to follow Jesus. He followed Jesus as Jesus entered into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. He was there when Jesus offered this teaching and many years later, Matthew sat down to write out the story of the life and teachings of Matthew. And in, in his writing, he captured it, and it's recorded in Matthew chapter 23. Let me just read it to you, Matthew 23, verse 5, which says this. Everything, so this is Jesus teaching, and Jesus is correcting and calling out these religious elite. He says, everything they do is done for men to see. It's just an act. It's just a show. They make their phylacteries, don't worry, I'll explain it. I know most of us, we couldn't even spell that word, let alone pronounce it, whatever. Uh, they, they make their phylacteries wide and their tassels on their garments long. Again, you have, you have no idea what, what's even going on here. So let me, let me just explain. So Jesus is teaching and he's calling out these religious elite who put on a happy face. They look like they've got their life all together. Everything looks great. And what Jesus is saying is it's all a show. It's all just an act. And, and so let me explain a little bit, right? What are these phylacteries? Believe it or not, there was a contest in the, in the Jewish synagogues of the time, and the most religious elite had the biggest phylacteries. Believe it or not, these phylacteries are wooden boxes, painted black, that contain Bible verses. So what you do is you take your favorite Bible verse, and the more religious you are, the more Bible verses. Well, in order to have more Bible verses in your phylactery, you had to have bigger boxes. And then they would strap them to their forehead or their arms. And believe it or not, this practice is still done today by very serious, devout, and orthodox Jews. You, you'll see them as they go to the wailing wall or as they go to their services, you'll see them wearing the phylacteries on their head or on their arm. And, and the bigger the box, the greater your devotion to God, the more spiritually right you are with God. And then these tassels, what they were was literally like, quite literally, imagine like your graduation tassel. When you graduate high school, you have that little thing hanging down from your little graduation gown. Well, that's a tassel. So they would have those hanging off their garments. And they would use them as reminders to pray. The longer your tassel, the longer your prayers. The more tassels, the more prayers. And what it really meant was if you saw somebody with really long tassels, it meant they were really devout. They were very pious. They were right with God. Everything was great. But here's the deal. Jesus said, it's all an act. They look happy. The words that come out of their mouth are a happy song, but in their heart, they're in a blood feud. They're in hiding. They're covering up. It's an act. And Jesus said, I did not come to make you cover up. I didn't come so you'd have to put on religious um, pretense. I don't care how big or small your phylacteries. I don't care how long or short your tassels. My hope and my heart is this, that rather than living in a blood feud, something would be changed. And that's, that's the whole point. When Jesus is calling out these religious elite in the crowd in the city of Jerusalem, what he was really offering was this. He was offering the answer. He was offering hope. And it, it's this. This is what I want you to take away. It's that you and I are invited to discover inner peace. Boy, if you could take a moment, write that down. 
Feel free to type that in if you're joining us online or if you're at any one of our campuses, you can, you can just maybe type that in your smartphone or your tablet or you wanna write that in your program or study God. That Jesus came to give us inner peace. And doesn't that just sound good? Sounds right. Maybe right now you're wrestling because you don't feel like you have inner peace. Maybe you're putting on a smile in the middle of your suffering. Maybe you just came out of a really hard conversation and your heart and your life is in turmoil. Maybe things inside of you don't feel well. I don't mean physically, but there's a turmoil tearing you up on the inside and then you hear me say that Jesus came so that you can discover inner peace. Here is what most of us do. We want inner peace, and so we try harder to feel inner peace, and what we really do is we work really hard at the act. We pretend that we feel better, hoping that by pretending to feel better, we will be better. You, you with me? Or we just numb the pain. There's turmoil tearing us up, and so we take something from the outside and we put it on the inside, hoping that the outside stuff will fix what's going on on the inside. So we use entertainment to numb our minds so we don't have to have them wrestling in turmoil. We allow addictions to numb the inner turmoil. We use sex or a relationship to distract us and preoccupy us so that we don't have to feel all torn up inside. But you and I know, no matter how hard we try and no matter what we use on the outside, it never seems to fix what's on the inside. Why is that? The reality is, it is impossible to fix inner turmoil with outside medication. I'm saying that very broadly, right? The medication of entertainment, the medication of addiction, the medication of a relationship, or sex, or lust, or anything we're currently using from the outside, trying to fix the inside, it won't work. Why? Because it's impossible. Why is it impossible? Because the problem is spiritual. You and I, the reason for our turmoil is because you and I, at the core of who we are, have a spiritual turmoil started from the moment we came into existence. You and I were born into sin. Sin is a, a biblical term, a term that Jesus used, biblical authors used to describe our blood feud with God. Did you catch that? You and I are in a blood feud with God. When we sin, we came into sin, we rejected God, we turned our back on God, we ran from God, and we live our lives against God. He doesn't want to be against us, he doesn't want to be our enemy, but we choose, we chose to reject God, and when we rejected God, we entered into a blood feud with God where we live our lives as enemies of God, even if we don't realize we're living as enemies of God. And this sin, that's in us, is tearing us up. It's driving us toward ruin. It's driving us toward destroying the very relationships we're trying to use to make us feel better. And it drives us toward desires that we wanna use to make us feel better that only lead to greater and greater ruin. And eventually sin fully metastasizes and leads not just to physical death, but eternal judgment. And that is the ultimate 
result of the blood feud between us and God as a result of sin, but God was unwilling to leave us in a blood feud. So God entered into our world. In the the story I told you about of the pastor that was in hiding because of his family in a blood feud, one day he had had enough. He said, that's it, this isn't right. It doesn't matter what happens to me, this blood feud must end. So he walked out of his home and he got murdered. I know his wife personally. I've interacted with her and she's now pastoring the church that he once pastored. But there's something interesting about that feud, it ended. When he died, the blood feud ended. There's something interesting about the way a blood feud ends in Albania and that is simply this. Justice is accomplished. It's not like the families get together and have a barbecue. All right, you with me so far? It's not like they hold hands and they sing kumbaya. Here's what God did. We were in a blood feud with God and so God entered our world. Jesus Christ stepped out of his home in heaven into our world. He took on the shot blow, the the, the eternal judgment that we deserve because the blood feud between us and God is a result of sin. Jesus took the full shot on himself. So he absorbed our judgment. Check this out. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 36 and 37, let me just read it to you. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place he's preparing to go to the cross. He goes to a place called Gethsemane. This word Gethsemane is describing a garden in the city of Jerusalem. But the word actually means the place of pressing a place where you're being crushed. And Jesus willingly goes to a place where he is going to be crushed. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, James and John, along with him. And then in this moment, he now begins to pray. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Jesus is feeling the deep inner turmoil that you and I carry as a result of our sin. He is now feeling what you and I feel. He's feeling sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. And you thought God had no clue what you were going through. You thought God was distant and disconnected, but here's Jesus in this place of crushing where he is saying to his closest friends, I feel so sorrowful, so sorrowful and such inner trouble that I feel like it's destroying me from the inside out. Stay here and keep watch with me. And here is the point, right? Jesus is carrying this deep inner turmoil and trouble that you and I carry. And then here's what he does. Check this out, right? Going a little further, it says, he fell with his face to the ground and he prayed. He, God the Son prays to God the Father. My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. What what is going on here? In this moment, Jesus is praying and he's saying, God, if there's any other way than for me to take the hit to end the blood feud, could it be possible? But not what I want, but what you want. If you want, I'll make myself the biggest target. Go ahead, take your best shot. And Jesus, hanging on the cross, absorbs the penalty to end the blood feud between us and God. 
He makes himself the biggest target so that all of the wrath poured out against sin would be poured onto Jesus. The eternal judgment that we deserve is emptied and unleashed onto Jesus. I don't know if you could imagine it. Uh, it's, the, it's where we get the term, uh, you know, giving like the, the uh, full nine yards, right? It, it, there was nine yards of ammo in, in, a, in a, one of the old World War II gunships, you know, planes and to give them the nine yards means like to give them the full nine yard rounds of ammo and you can see that sin is just pumping its ammo against Jesus and Jesus is absorbing it on the cross. He's taking every hit, every blow, everything that you and I deserve is being unleashed on Jesus. He's God. Give me your best shot, sin. Give me your best shot, death. Give me your best shot, eternal judgment. And Jesus is absorbing it. And that's why he went to Gethsemane. Father, if there's any other way, would you do it? But not what I want, what you want. And the moment you get is this, that Jesus experiences our deep inner turmoil to give us a deep inner peace. How? Here's the takeaway. This is why I hope you would write this down, please. This is not one of those moments just to kind of pass off. You didn't, you didn't just come out here. You didn't just tune in. You're not just joining us at one of our campuses. God ordained that you'd be in this moment so you could hear this message. Some of you, you've been carrying inner turmoil for, from the time you can remember. Your heart's been torn up inside of you for too long, and this is a moment God wants you to hear this. So check this out. Here's it, right? You can discover peace with God. In fact, can you, I want you to say this with me. Say, discover peace with God, with God. Here, here's the deal. The, the, the problem that you and I carry, the reason why we feel so much inner turmoil is because we don't have peace with God. Our inner trouble comes from having spiritual trouble because we're disconnected from God himself, the author of life, the giver of peace. And because you and I live disconnected from relationship with God, we go through life without peace. But when we understand that Jesus Christ ended the blood feud because he became the biggest target to absorb the blow of our sin and our eternal judgment, when we believe in Jesus by faith, Jesus' sacrificial death becomes the payment for our life. When you believe in Jesus by faith, what you're saying is, I believe that Jesus' sacrifice on the cross was the payment for my sin. His death gives me life, and that changes everything. Maybe you're here in a moment, and that's what you need. You need to just say yes. To Jesus. Here's how that changes everything. We asked Tyree to share a little bit more of his story. So check this out. One morning, I remember I just woke up and I was like, man, I got to go to church. There's this girl at work and I knew she was a believer. I call her grandmama save. You know, she had scriptures on her cubicle. And so I went to her and I said, hey, I'm trying to find God and I can't find him. She said, why don't you come to church with me, little big brother? That day, March 29th, 1998, was a turning point. I was in that service, and I remember the pastor saying, you know, if you want to have an experience with God, an encounter with God, um, come down to the front, we have people to pray with you. And I'm like, you know, I'm good. I ain't kill nobody. I'm a good person. You know, I just smoke weed. I don't do crack, you know, because that's bad. I heard this voice say, excuse me, little big brother. It was Bridget. She 
She got up around me. She started walking down to the front. And I'm thinking, man, if this woman whose grandmama saved me is more God, I need God. And I remember just like getting up, walking down to the front. It was like for the first time in my life, I started to cry. Not because I was angry, bitter, upset, or confused, or frustrated. It was because on that day, I I encountered the love of God. I look back and I, I, I get why I had to go through what I went through. And, and the pain of losing my father, you know, it's, it's still real. Um, but he took the stinger out. I started plugging in to that church. So I worked with, with the youth, um, became a youth pastor there. And I remember taking kids out to the same streets that I used to like hang out in and, and sell drugs on. I started taking students out, so it's almost like this dope dealer became a hope dealer. It's amazing. Fast forward a couple more years and uh, still working with youth. He's opened a door for me to travel across the nation and talk to tens of thousands of students. Coach to train hundreds of youth pastors. I thank God that he's um, counted me to be an ambassador, to be able to speak that truth across the nation and locally in my own community. Appreciate Tyree being so honest with us. How does, a, how does a dope dealer become a hope dealer? It's when he discovers that he needs peace with God. And when you make peace with God, it changes everything about your life story because it transforms inner turmoil into inner peace. How? Here's, here's the deal, right? When you and I come to a place where we're willing to acknowledge that we were in a blood feud with God, but Jesus Christ became the payment. He gave his life the Son of God becomes the Son of Man so that he could absorb our judgment, take on the penalty of our blood feud so that anyone who believes in Jesus by faith is forgiven, guilt and shame removed. You're transformed. What it means to have peace with God, it means that no longer are you a foe of God, but now you're a friend of God. It means no longer is God against you, God is for you. It means that you're, you don't have to live your life believing that God is just waiting to judge you and crush you. It means that you believe that Jesus went into a place of crushing and was judged on your behalf so that you could be set free, you could live free, you, and you know that you have peace with God. It means that Jesus drew a line in the sand and he absorbed our judgment so that you and I could step over that line, leaving our past in the past, stepping away from our guilt and shame, and stepping into a new life with peace with God. We no longer have to carry the guilt. We no longer have to carry the shame. We no longer have to believe that God is against us, but now we can live knowing God is for us. Look, don't miss this. I want you to know too many of us too many of us have gone through life shaking our fist at God, feeling like God was against us. Look, when you believe in Jesus by faith, I want to assure you God is not against you. God took out all of the punishment on Jesus so that when you believe in him, you're given new life, peace with God, that inner turmoil transformed. And here's what happens. When your inner turmoil is turned into peace with God, it reframes how you see the world. See, most of us, we go through life 
When things go wrong, we believe in some way they went wrong because we deserved it. Right, like you, you, you cursed and then you stubbed your toe and you're like, ugh, and then you do it again and then you stub your, and you're, like, and you're like, I got what I deserved. Many of us, you, you connect the dots of suffering with your sin. You know, you don't, it's not necessarily a direct link, but somehow, because of what happened a long time ago, a bad decision you made, something you know you did that you carry shame and guilt for, when things happen later in life, you blame it on what you did wrong in the past. But when you have peace with God, you no longer carry that feeling that everything that goes wrong is a result of something you did wrong. And Jesus gives us the answer, not only for how you can gain peace with God so you don't have to live in the act, pretending like everything is okay, but now how do you bring that peace with God into all of the troubles of life? Because it's true, you can have peace with God and yet still have a life that feels like a mess. So, so how do you bring this peace with God into the real world? We're gonna go right back to the story of Jesus. Multiple times, Jesus is in prayer, and what you discover is this moment in Gethsemane where Jesus is being crushed. He shows us the way out of our crushing. It goes like this. So he, this is the third time. So he left them and went away once more. This is the third time. And prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Father, if it is your will, Take this cup from me, but not my will, your will. Over and over, Jesus is feeling sorrowful. He's feeling inner turmoil, and what does he do? He goes back to the Father over and over, and he bears his heart. 30 years later, no, not, I'm sorry, not 30 years, but many years later, a guy named Saul, who was a murderer of Christians, who is in a blood feud with God, has a revelation of Jesus. God transforms his life. He discovers what it means to be forgiven of sin and finding new life through faith in Jesus. And this murderer becomes a messenger. And the apostle Paul begins, to, his name is changed from Saul to Paul as a statement of his life change. And he starts churches across Asia and Europe. He writes a letter to the church in Philippi from prison. And in that letter to, to the church in Philippi, he writes this, don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And then he explains, this is what'll happen. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. What, what is the point? When we discover peace with God, then we can discover the peace of God. They're not the same. First, I have to have peace with God. But when I have peace with God, then I understand that God is not against me, but God is for me. Now when things are troubling, now when life is, now I'm in suffering, I know that the suffering is not a result of my sin, and my troubles are not, the, not God pouring out his judgment against me, but that God is with me in my troubles. God is with me in my pain. And so the apostle Paul offers us the answer for how we discover the peace of God. And, and what is that? It means this, it means I can invite God into my trouble. I can invite God into my pain. And so what you're doing is you're reframing your pain. 
From believing that your pain and your suffering is a result of your sin and God's judgment to now understanding that when you have peace with God, you can now have the peace of God regardless of what you're walking through. Let me give you quickly, I'm gonna give you this step by step of what Paul outlined. You ready? Here it is, right? He goes like this, he goes, but in every situation, so no matter what you're going through, no matter what the trouble, no matter what the turmoil, no matter what sorrow is bubbling up inside of you, in every situation, by prayer, tell God what you want. That's prayer. God, here's what I'm asking you to do. God, here's what I need from you. So why does he go like this? By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. What's this whole prayer and petition? Think about it like peeling back the layers of an onion. What Paul is saying is this. Don't just tell God what you want him to do. Tell him why you want him to do it. You lost your job and now you're asking God, God, I need another job. Why? Because I'm scared. I'm scared that if I can't provide, I won't feel like a real man. And, and I'm going to be embarrassed my home. My, my wife might leave me and my kids, they're, they're going to think I'm nothing. And I'm going to be, all of a sudden you start telling God your petition. Here's not just what I want you to do, but here's why I want you to do it. And when you begin to bear your heart to God, you invite God into the depth of your pain, into the depth of your turmoil, then you're able to give thanks. He says, with thanksgiving. Here, here, here's what thanksgiving means. Worship is thanking God for what he's done. But faith thanks God for what he's going to do. And so when you're in a season of suffering and you give thanks for what God's going to do, you're saying, God, I believe by faith that you can turn my circumstances around. And what Paul says is in those moments, you're making your request known to God and here's what God will do. He will show up and he says this, and the peace of God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, meaning God's peace goes beyond human reasoning. I mean, how, how do you hold your dying child? Or how do you hold your, your sick spouse? Or how do you hold the pink slip? Or how do you navigate through life rocking moments where you're feeling deep inner turmoil and yet you have supernatural peace? It doesn't make sense. And here's the thing, the peace of God is a great gift of God. The peace of God can't be faked and it can't be manufactured. The only way you get the peace of God is when you have peace with God and you're willing to pray and petition and just say, God, I'm not only telling you what I need you to do, but I'm telling you why. And I'm willing to invite you into my turmoil. And his peace will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Let me bring this in for a landing. That guarding your hearts and minds, it's like a referee. He says God's peace will serve like a referee in your life. He'll blow the whistle on the foul of your emotion. When your mind is getting off track, his peace will say, no, 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 stop right there. It's like a rumble strips on the road. When you start veering off course, God's peace will say, no, 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 get back this direction. God wants to keep you in his peace so that you can walk in his favor and his blessing. Here's the deal. I want, I want you to know this, that you can discover inner peace by first receiving peace with God so that then you can have the peace of God. And the only way that's possible is when you and I understand that we were in a blood feud with God, but Jesus absorbed the blow to take on our crushing inner turmoil so that we can not only have peace with God, but we can receive the peace of God. And so where are you at right now? I wanna encourage you to pause for a moment. Right now, there are some of you, 
I believe there's some of you at our campuses and you know there's an inner turmoil and you're tired of faking it. You're tired of having to say, I'm fine when somebody asks you how you doing because you're ready to burst into tears and you really want to pour out your heart. And I want you to know God knows what you're walking through and he wants to give you his peace. So would you pause for a moment, close your eyes, and I want to just allow you to take this moment and say, God, I need your peace. Would you do that right now? Across all of our campuses, would you close your eyes? Now I want to speak to a very specific group of you. There are some of you, as you're closing your eyes, you recognize that there is something wrong between you and God and you're ready to respond at each of our campuses. If that's where you're at right now and you're willing to say yes to God, you're willing to say yes to receiving Jesus and allowing his death to be the payment for your blood feud, would you raise your hand right now and say, yeah, that's me. That's where I'm at. You're ready to say yes to Jesus. Would you raise your hand right now? Across our campuses, would you raise your hand? Right here, would you raise your hand and say, yeah, that's me. For those of you that raise your hand, I want to take a moment. I want to pray with you right now. Jesus, thank you. You did not have to step out of your home in heaven to take on the blow of our sin and our eternal judgment, but we are so grateful that you did so that when we believe in you by faith, we are forgiven of our sin and we are given new life. We, we are made right with God. We go from being a foe to being a friend. And so God, for those that are here right now, for those that have said yes to Jesus, for those that want to be in right relationship with God, Lord, would they experience supernatural peace, a peace that can't be explained. God, they're experiencing that right now in their hearts. And God, when they say yes to you, I pray that you would flood them with deep inner peace. And we celebrate that and we believe that by faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church, located in Hagerstown, Maryland. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.